Hi there and welcome to another edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. It's another bonus preview show for you tonight guys. Uh, we're going to look at the Aberdeen game on Sunday. We'll have a wee discussion about some of the stuff that's happened through the week. As I've said to you, most weeks, it's, uh, you know, we don't just do the podcast here at Jersnet. We've got uh, the forum, we've got articles, you know, match previews, match reports. Uh, there's social media, there's a history archive, all there. It's all free, so get yourselves on it. Uh, if it's your first time watching us or listening to us, we would ask you to subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel. We're, we're approaching 4,000 subscribers. We are the proverbial ball here away from 4,000. I think it's it's down to single single figures. So we're very close to 4,000 subscribers. Uh, we were around about 2,000 when all this kicked off with the, the, the you know the lockdown and the COVID and all that kind of thing. So it's been a huge uptake. So a big thanks to everyone uh, who's listened and, and stayed with us uh, and you know put the word out there for us. Uh, we're live tonight. It is the Friday night uh, before the game. We're playing on Sunday at three o'clock, but the show will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher and Spotify. Uh, so now to bring in the guest, we've only got one tonight. Uh, we only need one because he's, he's such a good guest, you know, he's a top quality guest. Uh, all the rest are shite compared to this man here. It's Alex Anderson. It's our very own Big Ek. How are you, Alex? I'm not too bad at all, Colin. Uh, a belated Merry Christmas to yourself. Yeah, um, you have a good a year and all that. New year. Yes, uh, it was quite a good mood. I can't really remember why. I was so drunk uh, after it. But um, yes, uh, and, a, and a, a belated good, Happy New Year to all our uh, viewers and listeners out there. And I'm just hoping that tonight I can be that ball here. I can get, <laughs> uh, 4, get us over the line to that yes. 4,000. Yeah. Be the ball here. You know, be the ball here. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, speaking, speaking of drinking too much, uh, David was supposed to mention it on Sunday night that... Uh, our gaffer was seriously hung over on Sunday. I mean, he was still ill on the Sunday night. I mean, he's working in the background now, making all the, the gadget stuff work, you know, all the all the sort of Gillette Soccer Saturday stuff work away. Uh, and he was seriously ill on Sunday. Uh, I think he, he went for it after that one on Saturday. Speaking of the oh, shocking behaviour, you know, that's that's the leader, by the way. That's, that's who we're supposed to look up to. Uh, speaking of Saturday, you know, it's been almost a week for the game. Uh, I mean, I said it on Sunday night that it's, it's probably one of the the Wolfram victories that I've least enjoyed and I still kind of feel like that. It was kind of done, dusted out the road for me. How have you felt this week now that it's, you know, you've always got the immediate reaction, but as the weeks went on, how do you feel about it now? Um, I Great. I think it actually fits in, Colin. I think it fits in with the, the whole kind of mindset around us getting back to, to, winning, to winning the title. I think with some, when something's, uh, you've, you've wanted something so long, so much, tends to be when you get it, it doesn't really arrive the way you, you expected it yeah, to. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying for one second, you know, we'll get one to you later, um, you're not allowed to say, that's us, that's us there, you know, there's no there's no fake tempting going on. But I think even, you, you were talking last week, I heard you, uh, a great point for you guys last week, but you're talking about how you didn't even notice, really see the ball going in. I think it was something to do with the, the 32 red and the foot, aside, foot locker adverts behind the door, that, behind, the, behind the goal and the kind of, the, the green and white at Celtic and the ball just seemed to kind of hit a, a white background I just lost sight of the ball ah, I was the same I didn't know it went in it wasn't until the players went away and celebrated and I noticed one guy running down the stairs I don't know if he was a steward or something but he came running down the stairs You know, I want that guy's that. job I want that guy's <laughs> job how does he get that brilliant but I, it was it was Barkis diving you know you didn't realise until you actually saw him diving that backwards way into the back of the net how many times you've seen that over the years you know that's 
the kind of sign that the ball is going in, the goalie can't get to you. Um, but it just felt like I, I barely even cheered because I was so under pressure yeah. mentally, psychologically at that time. And fair enough, um, after the game, we watch it back and we can see that we weren't yet under, in as much danger as we thought we were. Um, but it was the exact opposite of everything you've been predicting. Um, and we just come out of it with a win, which I think speaks of a kind of growing disconnect between the psychology of the support and the psychology of the players. And thank yes. God the players are the ones that have got the, they've got the right psychology. I mean, they're, they're just carrying on, forging on, and they are unruffable, I think, uh, if that's even a word. Um, <laughs> I think it is. Just, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't, we don't let things like that bother us exactly. in jail, isn't it? Just, just make words up, Alex. You know, just improvising, you know, just improvising <laughs> like uh, Aribo. <laughs> but I, no, I thought it was, uh, it, was, it was strange the way it came, but I think that in itself is a sign that uh, something, something major is happening this season. You know, um, I was reminded of, I don't know if you remember, uh, one, one, for the, one for the youth demographic out there, uh, Frasier, the, the, the comedy show, the sitcom yeah. Frasier, you know, and he's, uh, his brother Niles and Daphne was the long, the, the, the long yeah. one in kind of love affair, will they, won't they? And there was the episode where he eventually um, consummated his uh, relationship right, right, with Daphne right, yeah. in a physical sense after all the years. And it just, it just the episode ended with him just sitting there looking numb and the only thing he could say but this we smell on his face to, to Fraser was just it was absolutely nothing like what I expected <laughs> after after waiting all these for it and I, last week I was just thinking to myself I I know how he feels you know yeah uh, yeah I, I I must admit I, I went out for a walk in the morning I woke up and the nerves I've never felt nerves like that for a, a Ranger Celtic game for a long time I always feel more nervous when I'm not there for some reason, when I'm yes. when I'm at the game, I feel a bit better about it. You know, even when we concede a goal, I always you know it's it's not great. But when I'm not there, I'm always a wee bit nervous. But Saturday was just it was brutal, and uh, I I went out for a walk for an hour. I done a three mile walk, and it didn't work. If anything, I was worse when I came back. I felt worse, and you know, even the goal like you, I wasn't it wasn't a happy celebration. It was more a yes kind of thing. And even when we won it, I was it was just more relief than anything else and you know a feeling that we've taken a you know a positive step in terms of getting to where we all want to be but no nowhere near the sort of jubilation like when we won last year at Celtic Park that was a party when we won the year before you know when Ryan Jack scored the goal at Ibrox party time wasn't like that on Saturday there uh, I've quite enjoyed some of the fallout though I mean I'm not someone who follows the media a huge amount but I've seen some stuff on Twitter and there does seem to be in this reinforcement that Celtic were robbed uh, on Saturday which is good it's quite enjoyable and I've seen a few stuff on radio you know I don't listen to Radio Clyde or that as well but I always see folk comment on Twitter and, and it seems to have been its usual you know basket cases phoning in uh, but anyway, I thought I thought we'd have a wee quick discussion about that. Moving on, uh, you know, before we got into the Aberdeen game, some news today about uh, Kai Kennedy. He's signed an extension until 2023. I don't know, he's immediately going out on loan uh, to Wraith Rovers. Ross Wilson was sort of, you know, he made comment on it, saying he was, you know, delighted that he signed. He kind of felt that the narrative around the player had become quite negative, and we'll come on to talk about that. And, you know, and it, it was sort of keen to to stress that, you know, through these negotiations, you know, Kai Kennedy and his his uh, you know his uh, agent were were keen to set out that their first choice was always to stay at Rangers. But there, there has been issues previously with Kai Kennedy. You know, Stephen Gerrard came out with a comment. I think it was about five six months ago. You know, he sort of he didn't name him, but I think everyone took it that it was it was aimed at him. 
you know, he made a comment about players not having the right attitude, you know, younger players. And if they're not going to have the, the right attitude, they'll be nowhere near his dressing room. And it was kind of seen that it was a dig at him and that his attitude wasn't quite right. So it, it seems quite positive news then that we've reached this point today and, you know, and he's, he's signed his extension. Aye. Um, I think Stephen Gerrard is actually the man who's, who's, who's come out of this uh, with most credit. Ross Wilson's obviously done, done a job there. Um, but I think it's the first time I've really realised, or maybe a lot of people uh, will realise that Stevie G is managing the entire club. I'm fixated with the first team, um, you know, and I think in 2012, when we were struggling to cobble together a first team, when we, when we kind of started back uh, in the lower leagues, I think that's maybe reinforced that uh, for a lot of people. Um, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to Kai Kennedy um, because, no, no, I kind of, you know, willful ignorance, but more because you've seen so many young players being promising and they don't come through. I don't have the time to go and watch the youth teams and all that. Uh, as well as as well as the first team, but I think uh, I didn't even know who Gerald was talking about when he made that reference. Was it during the the, the Viola tournament? Um, it, was, it was certainly through the summer. Yeah, aye, it was, it was aye, through the summer, and he, he sort of made a comment about young players' attitudes. And it was lovely because it was one of the moments where we've just won it, or we're doing really well in that tournament, we're looking really good. And the first thing he wants to talk about is something. He's using that as an opportunity to sort out the youth system or a, a, a youth player, you know. But um, it's funny, I saw a wee thing last night, just, just by accident, just flicking through Sky Sports, and I saw a wee thing, Alan Shearer talking about um, getting called up as a 17-year-old uh, for Southampton uh, due to a few injuries in the first team. He was still a boy, and he scores a hat-trick against Arsenal. And uh, first thing, Sunday morning, he gets called back in, you know, be his, his youth team manager, and he's washing the boots, you know, he's washing the, yeah. he's washing the kits and all that. Um, just the old, get your feet in the ground. And I don't think that applies so much, um, even, you know, kind of, 25, 30 years later, I don't think that applies so much as a way of managing uh, younger players, especially prospects. But I think there's quite a nice thing in, um, and I don't mean any harm to the boy because he's only 18, um, but you're thinking about going to Roma or you're thinking about going to Bayern Munich and a month later you find yourself up at Inverness, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's a nice way of doing it. And I think uh, Brian Gilmer, Kevin Thompson, um, Ross Wilson take a lot of credit by the way they've managed this. Um, but mostly, I think it's it, it's just a nice way of letting everybody know that Stephen Gerrard is managing the club from the from the bottom up. You know, he's not just here to grab a title and uh, get yourself off to Liverpool. But I think he's a perfect man um, to be talking to somebody like Kai Kennedy and say to you, "Look what I did at Liverpool yeah. by staying at Liverpool and by being raised in that environment." You know, um, mate, even if it just works out that we're actually going to just we've just made sure today that we'll get some money for the boy when he moves on. That's fine. Yeah, you know, uh, but no, I think we've, I think we've handled it really well, and um, I don't know if maybe he's, maybe he's the same age. I think as Aaron Hickey, the boy that played a few, was getting first team football at Hearts, and then he's going to Bologna. I don't know if that kind of thing is maybe uh, in his mind as well. But yeah. he's played well at that Alcast tournament, Colin. Um, he's got he's played at the tournament. You know, they're beating Rome in the final, and these are just like sweetie shops for every kind of horrible uh, venal agent uh, in the world. Um, so they'll have been in about him um, and you can see a boy that age he's, he's obviously going to get his head turned but he went up to Inverness he got a bit homesick you know so he's probably kind of that's, that's part of growing up things like that so I think he's, he's learned that Rangers is a place for him for now anyway we're worried we're going to uh, let the next uh, Billy Gilmer go you know we're, you know. but yeah. I, I, I think the main thing is it just, it just proves that uh, we're in really good hands just now with uh, the manager and uh, our staff 
I think you make. I think the point about Gerard is, you know, I think that's a, that's a key one because, you know, my my boy's fifteen year old. He he plays. Uh, you know, he's at under sixteen level or something at the moment, and uh, you know, he's always. I don't know if he's going to make pro. I don't know about that, but you know, he's he's, he's certainly attracted a wee bit of attention here and there, and he, he asks questions every now and again. You know, you know, signing here or signing there. And I've always tried to say, I'm, you know, signing for anyone, isn't it the the end? That's that's the start. That's when the hard work starts. You know, you've no made it when you when you've when you've you've signed on the dotted line. I always mind Kenny Dalglish making a big thing about that. I think Stephen Gerrard would be quite a good person to listen to. If I was sitting with my son and across the the, the, the table was sitting Stephen Gerrard saying, you know, if you do this 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 and this, then you're you're in with a really really good chance of making it. You're listening to someone who actually lived and breathed that, you know, uh, lifestyle. He he went through that period where he was in and out of the Liverpool team as a youngster. He became frustrated. Then he became a mainstay. Then he became captain, all that kind of thing. So he's basically the man that can show Kai Kennedy and others at Ibrox. If you've got the talent, you've got the dedication, and you're prepared to put in the hard work, then the rewards are there. And I think you're right. I think a lot of players do get their heads turned. I'm one of the. I'm a wee bit old school. I think that losing the boot room thing doesn't help control young players. You know what I mean? I think they, they get an inflated sense, uh, their own sort of, well, you know, their own sort of ability and all that kind of thing because they're treated like that from a very, very early age. And then for a lot of them, when it doesn't work out, you know, they don't know where to go and there's a whole different thing there about mental health and all that kind of a thing. But in terms of players getting in, young players getting in, they, to me, they need to know that there's a lot of hard work in front of them and cleaning the odd boot now and again and being part of the ground staff, I'm not totally against that. Don't get me wrong, I don't advocate Jim McLean, you know, sending guys out to dig roads and all that kind of thing, but I could see why he was, what he was trying to do, you know, just try to keep them grounded and and I think there's a, there's something in that, that, that that's been lost a wee bit these days. Uh, but it, I mean, we're, we're in a positive position with Kai Kennedy, so, so it's I suppose it's all good and it seems that whatever was happening in the summer has been has been averted and fixed, so to speak. Uh, moving on to the current situation around COVID, Alex, uh, it's, you know, we're in uh, the worst period since the whole thing started. You know, the virus has mutated and, you know, we're all back in lockdown and uh, tier four and there's talk of further restrictions to come if things don't improve. <sighs> Football's continuing just now. But I did notice that the, the, the Aston Villa Liverpool game tonight. Aston Villa have had to put out their, their under twenty ones. They don't have their, their first their first team coaching staff there. You know they're returning a high level. The whole the whole of English football is returning a high level of positive cases. You would have to think that that might be reflected up here at some point. And if that does happen, are you then worried? Uh, about the, about the game continuing up here in Scotland, you know, because it was it was halted in March, obviously, when we, when, when we got to this sort of, the, the level of numbers and, you know, the infection rates and deaths and all that kind of thing. We're, we're higher now than when, when the, the game was stopped in March. However, we have the proper testing facilities for, certainly for top flight, flight clubs, you know, they're testing players every three days. But despite that, would you become concerned if the current situation escalates further and further over the coming weeks? Yeah, absolutely, Kong. Absolutely. Um, I was concerned. My, my heart sank uh, tonight, and you feel it's instantly it's selfishness beyond all belief uh, when your first thought is, 
oh my god, is this going to affect the season? You know, and then you see the, when you see the actual headline um, when uh, Nicola Sturgeon is, is talking about OBS being off uh, regarding sport in Scotland, and the first thing you're thinking is, oh my god, we're 19 points clear, this is going to get called off. You don't, you're only human, though. You know, football's a massive part of uh, so many people's lives, and I think that's the that's the thing that's got to be measured against um, is the mental health aspects. Uh, people are being are stuck in the house like they never have been before. I know myself, personal experience. Uh, I was okay the first. I, I work from home anyway. You know, um, it's not a problem for me. Uh, being in myself during the day, you know, I, I need the peace and quiet to go on my work. Um, but even I found maybe October, November, it was really starting to tell on me, um, and I started. Uh, my wife's a teacher, um, so she's you know having to go in. Uh, so I was getting worried. I was getting worried about her, but in a really kind of fixated way. And it was funny how the minute the football came on and I saw the red and black socks and the blue shirt, you know, and the, I was like, right, I've got something. It just takes it all away. You can disappear yeah. into it. And I think it'll be the same for everybody else. Um, but I then, you then hear yourself saying that and you sound like, you know, the kind of, the kind of hysteric who's using every, you know, <laughs> a kind of pathetic argument uh, against the fact that folk could could lose their could lose their life. I think yourself there and David Wren, um, I think I was talking to him, um, uh, last week, or a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying how football's done really well, you know, and, and managing it and, and testing and, and what have you. But this new strain, seventy percent more transmissible. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a real worry. We'll have to set up new kind of protocols, I think, um, to ensure that you know football isn't affected by it. But it's that old. You're, you're weighing up. How does it look politi- for football? Football United. You know, football all together against what's happening to the rest of society, and how much is our attitude towards that affected by the fact that we've wanted this league title for so long? Yeah. You know, and we hate the idea of the season, hate the idea of the season being cancelled. You know, the confirmation bias going on in my head just now is is off the scale. You know, um, because you know there'll be, there'll be plenty of fans out there maybe wanting the season cancelled, but I think once it, you know, you know, because there's, there's no one in the league. But uh, I think once it was. Uh, they would they would realise kind of how much how much we need the football. It's a it's a really a really sticky one. I think the next few weeks is going to be vital in finding out how far, uh, how much worse this virus that this kind of um, blow up of the virus is actually going to get, and we're better placed then uh, to see what's going to happen. But if it gets much worse than it has been today, and you, I feel it, I feel it is then the game is maybe even if just for a couple of weeks um, to to see how it affects it. We'll maybe we end up getting that winter break that we've been dreading, you know. Yeah. I think I, I think it's a it's an ongoing situation. We really have to look at really carefully, and uh, eventually football could just get put to the side now. I mean, it, I, I I totally get what you're saying about the mental health thing. I think it's harder at the moment in October, November. You know, the point you made there, I think, is relevant and key because that's when the clocks went back, and yeah. you know, this all started uh, a week before the clocks went forward. You know, so we were going into spring and summer as it all kicked off. So it was light nights, slightly better weather, you know, so everyone could get out and about. So I have to be honest with you, initially I didn't miss the football. I just think because my head was filled with so much of what was going on at the time that I didn't miss the football initially. If you were to take it away now, I, I think I would find it a bit tougher, you know, when it's dark at 
half nine in the morning and dark again at four in the afternoon. You can't get out and about as much as you did before. I mean, I found this week quite a bit of a drag because there's been no Rangers midweek, you know, which is which is beneficial for Rangers, obviously, and for Steven Gerrard and his players because it allows them to, to you know, have a, a you know a wee bit of a break after a really, really busy period. But with no Rangers midweek, I was like, what am I going to do? So, I, I mean... I'm hoping that they do take that into consideration because it, it certainly, speaking from a personal point of view, it will help me get through the week knowing that there's football on. However, given the seriousness of the situation uh, and you know how this new virus is, or the, the new strain of the virus is so more transferable, as you were saying, is it wise to, for, for a football club to jet off to Dubai uh, for a training break and then be videoed, you know, in various bars and clubs and hotels, you know, not social distancing, not wearing the masks, uh, and just basically, you know, ripping the piss, really. And then what sort of example does it say that the SFA go, oh, no, no, no questions to be answered here? It's, I know, it's, again, th- th- this, is, this is the problem uh, in judging these situations, because the, the ultimate story round about all this is people losing their life. You know, uh, through through this disease, so it's either a case of how petty are we for giving a monkeys about what Celtic are up to, or it's how disgusting is that behaviour, or how irresponsible is that behaviour uh, from Celtic? Um, it's a lot for me. <laughs> I, exactly, exactly, and it's. I think that's what I mean. You've got. I, I end up having to be kind of counterintuitive and playing devil's advocate with myself. I've got to always work against the kind of bias, the natural bias that I've got to try and come to some sort of kind of uh, judgment about it. Basically, the last the last few days, like you said, it was actually quite nice to have a few extra days to digest a Rangers victory, um, and not before I started worrying about the next game, you know. But it's a beautiful worry. It's a kind of it's a, it's a, it's that there's something to lose, you know, football wise worry. You know, it, it's it's been great. Um, but it also lets the, the Celtic scenario kind of kind of bleed in, and it's 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 right that we're concerned that that we, that we watch what's going on at Celtic because they are the only team that are going to stop us winning the title. It's going to be them or COVID, you know, that stops us actually securing uh, fifty-five. Be that um, you know the season's uh, called to a halt because of what COVID's doing to society, or we actually get struck down by it in some way, or our players get, get hit by it, or some sort of sanction. Um, some kind of incident. Uh, so we've got to, we've got to watch Celtic. We've got to see what they're doing. Um, and I was quite, to be honest, to be kind of honest, I was quite enjoying it. You know, because the last two seasons, um, everybody's obsessed with the fact it's January. You know, this is when Rangers usually have their meltdown, and this, this is the narrative that's built up around uh, Stevie G's uh, Rangers. And it's a bit, it's a bit disingenuous. As the last two, the last two times we won the old firm game at New Year, we didn't even go top of the league. But you would think we'd actually been like six or seven points clear, and it was, mm. it was we were, we were clear favourites. But what did happen in both occasions was uh, we kind of slipped up when we come back for the, the winter break, and, and Celtic stepped it up. They, and both times I think they actually went eight games, eight straight wins as soon as they come back. And as we were slipping up, we just they were just sailing away into the distance. Um, so to see them make an arse of their winter break, you know, we never heard anything about their winter breaks the last two years. So to see them make a bit of an arse of it, I think that they've been done in by photographers and what have you. They've been done in by a kind of um, some sort of grass. <laughs> I don't feel like it, but these these things happen. It's happened to us as well. Um, but to see them with the pints and all that, um, apart from anything else, kind of celebrating getting beat by Rangers. Yeah. You know, 
it was nice to see them kind of reducing themselves to the same level as with heavy Jack Ross this season. You know, kind of quite happy to to lose one nothing at Ibrox, and then they get thumped off Ross County and uh, Livingston the next few games. Um, We've had it for somebody else who escapes me. This the name actually escapes me at this point. But teams are getting quite quite chuffed just to have taken given Rangers a bit of a game. It was nice to see Celtic doing the same thing. Adopt that attitude. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, I think I don't know. I don't know. It's nice to know that they'll come back this time. Everybody's been looking at their winter break. People have been disapproving of it. They haven't been able to. They were neither. They were neither bad enough against us, uh, nor was it such a, a kind of unexpected defeat that they could go out there and have a clear mindset of what they should do, right? We're going to regroup, full-on focus, or Celtic just know, because it's just, because they had such a bad run earlier in the season, I think they actually think they're coming back up again. They've reset. I think they've, I think they've you know, they've been downsizing under the law for a few years now, and I think they've actually accepted second place uh, in their minds this season. But I think this has messed them up, This the kind of exposure they got in the media last week. Um, they'll come back now not really knowing um, what people think of them and including their own fans and if we were to slip up at Pitodri I'm not actually sure that they're ready to seize the moment <laughs> on Monday night against a, a really angry uh, Hibs team you know uh, who didn't who didn't want the game moved so I, I, football football wise I think it's actually worked out well for us but uh, in terms of Covid when you're seeing you know, your, your better half uh, is involved in the NHS, I mean, when people are seeing that the damage has been caused by this, um, I think when they see what Celtic have been doing, it's it's it goes beyond football, you know. It's, I mean, it's the uh, you know, the the biggest sort of defence of it has been, you know, it was pre-approved, the trip was approved, and I get that, you know, and they, they pissed off Hibs. I mean, that's got nothing to do with us, but they've pissed off Hibs be basically moving that fixture without sort of you know running it past them first. It's one going on the trip, given how quickly the thing has changed. You know, the, the the landscape has totally changed very, very quickly. To still feel that going on that trip in the first place was was acceptable, uh, I, I find quite questionable. But to then be naive enough to to be caught out in terms of photographs coming back, you know, as you say, sitting around the pool, pints. You know, they have clearly broken some of the protocols that are there that have been put in place by the, the joint response group. You know, in terms of if you are staying in a hotel, you have to have a dedicated room. There's no mixing with other people in the hotel. You know, that, that's that been broken. They weren't social distancing. They weren't wearing masks. They were walking into bars, you know, not a care in the world. That is a giant two fingers to, to most people, in my opinion, including their own supporters. Uh, and I, I totally understand, you know, the likes of Kilmarnock and St Mirren who have been hammered uh, for bro- uh, uh, breaching COVID protocols. You know, they've got their appeals in. It would be amazing uh, if that those sort of uh, punishments weren't overturned now because, as Kilmarnock have already said, we're just going to show the videos of Celtic in Dubai and say, well, what are you doing about that? So... It strikes me as very odd. I, I, I can't get my head around it. Uh, I'm always quite suspicious of Celtic because I think they're quite good operators when it comes to PR. So this is such an obvious PR disaster that I'm thinking there has to be some other angle here uh, and that this is maybe deliberate. I don't know. But for, for a club that has been so good at the PR stuff over the last few years to make such a basic uh, amateur mistake 
and and to, I mean, you know, do you remember the, the the game at Easter Road when when Rangers were beating the the, the old Ramsden's Cup final or the Petrofac or whatever it was when Wraith Rovers beat us? Possibly the angriest I've ever felt as a Rangers supporter. As a few hours later, I'm seeing images of Alan McCoy singing the karaoke. You know, and it's a bit like that. You know, if I was a Celtic fan, I'd be thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm locked up in my house. Uh, I'm not allowed to go and see my family. That mob have just been pumped to Ibrox for the third game in a row by a team that are eight years old in their eyes, right? And now they're on the lash in Dubai, sitting with the swimming pool. It, it is such a bad look. And, and for a club like Celtic, as I said, they've been pretty slick at the PR stuff. Because they're so good at the PR stuff, I, I'm now thinking there must be another angle to this. They couldn't have made that bad of a judgment of error. There has to be something else behind it. Well, it's funny you should say that um, because the, the, the way they operate with the PR, the way Law and Lennon uh, operate, the way Lennon's operated as a player and then manager at Celtic has been through obfuscation. You know, when they lose a game, they just change the subject uh, straight away. And I... That kept, I mean, I, I, you've seen the clips of Celtic blogs talking about the conspiracies, you know, yeah. their, their conspiracy theories about why Rangers are, you know, going to, you know, be allowed to stop the 10 and all this kind of thing. Um, so you don't want to come across like that kind of crackpot. But I think there's no denying, you were saying you're, you're not bothered about the Hibs, uh, not too bothered about the Hibs, and that's Hibs business, you know, on, on Monday night. But that is the one that actually gets me, because I remember what happened to us in 2008, you know, when we were trying to, you know, yeah, win the UEFA Cup for Scotland, you know, and uh, we know we know five years before that, Martin O'Neill, we Neil Lennon and his midfield made a huge deal of the fact that they were having to come uh, to Ibrox on a Sunday after playing a European semi-final at Boa Vista uh, on the Thursday night, and Martin O'Neill used the exact phrase. He actually, he actually said, "I don't know how the Celtic fans are going to react to this," um, i.e., feel free to riot. <laughs> Um, uh, because there was no way Rangers would be asked to do this. Um, cut to five years later, and we were made to play two old firm games at Parkhead as we went for the title, either side of like one of the legs against Fiorentina. The exact same scenario, and we actually had to play twice an old firm game away from home. Um, so when you see Celtic being allowed to cancel a game, and why are they not playing these games that they've got in hand? They've had, yeah, I know. They've, they've had opportunities to get those games played as well. Um, I, I really don't that, that really does stick in my craw um, and I think it's like everything else Colin I, before 2012 I would be the one that would be up there trying to see the other the other team's point of view I was always trying to be the non-blinkered kind of open-minded we're all football fans together type person but they've seen the way Lowell and Lennon have operated um, over the past well back best part of 20 years um, I I wouldn't put it past them that it's a almost trying to cheapen our victory by saying they don't by that they don't care about it. You know, worried that we're now going to win the league. Um, it's, it's too far for them to pull it back. And there's a kind of look at us having a pint. You know, look at us not really caring. Maybe if we break the COVID rules, you know, it gets to a certain point you could actually just detonate the whole season. You know, I I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, don't know. I, I, I find I hate you're saying that. I hate you no, talking about that, mate. But it's just. I find the point you made about, you know, I mean, Celtic do have three games in hand. Now, uh, Doncaster made a big thing through the week there sooner. There might be, you know, uh, a backlog, a fixture backlog at the end of the season because we only, we've only we got uh, 33 fixtures 
uh, 33 rounds of fixtures to complete and there's only 34 windows. And at that point, you're thinking, well, why are Celtic not playing one of these games <laughs> through this week? You know, they've, they've, they could catch up in these games through January. And there's there's one midweek line there and they're lying in the beach in Dubai. So, yeah, it, it's I, I get what you're saying. You don't want to be that type of fan. You know what I mean? But it just seems like too obvious a blunder to me. And it, um, it makes me wonder that there's something else uh, behind it, if you know what I mean, because Celtic have been very slick, slicker than we are when it comes to the PR stuff. This seems too obvious uh, a sort of PR blunder. They've done uh, worse, Colin. We, we, we think that they've, they've, they've done worse um, in the past. We don't want to say what, but that's the reason we were playing two games um, at Parkhead. So it's stuff like that, that, that you know, you don't want to be that kind of fan, but you realise not being that kind of fan um, is what lets them that lets them do that. Get, you get away with it. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's 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 a tricky situation. You know, maintaining your own identity, maintaining your own kind of idea of what it is to be a Rangers fan, what you want your club to be like, but also trying not to get steamrolled by a kind of yeah. a horrible PR machine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we move on to, to Sunday's game, have a wee look at Sunday's game. I am again contractually obliged to to mention. Uh, the Rangers Pick'em game, uh, so it's uh, Rangers Picks, which is available for every Rangers uh, match, so we're, we're taking this opportunity uh, to promote it tonight. Uh, Rangers Picks is a totally free Pick'em game, it's worth a £1,000 prize pool, uh, it's powered by the same company that are working with Rangers on the, the stadium Wi-Fi and the new clawback uh, app, sorry, and Rangers Picks. The more fans that play, uh, the more money the club will receive. Uh, to play, all you need to do is visit www.rangerspicks.com. Uh, there are 12 questions there that you need to complete about Rangers, the up-and-coming Rangers game, and it gives yourself a chance of winning a share of a £1,000. As I say, it's totally free. Uh, you must be over 18 to play. Uh, T's and C's apply, as always. And remember, guys, always play responsibly. Uh, I had a wee look at this before we came on. I haven't managed to have my picks, but you've had a wee shot. Have you not, Alex? I have indeed, sir. Yes, I have indeed. You know, the minute there's uh, any kind of advertising, I'm out there prostituting myself, doing everything I can uh, <laughs> to get it across the board. I quite enjoyed it. It's, it lets you just um, basically say how brilliant you think Rangers are going to be uh, on, on Sunday. You know, yeah. you can predict how many shots certain players are going to have on goal. You know, the, the strikers, how many tackles, for instance, Connor Goldson's going to make, how many goals you think we're uh, going to score. So I think, according to my, if Rangers win 15 nothing. Uh, Connor Golson has 25 tackles and uh, Marielis gets four hat tricks. Um, you did up for a grand. <laughs> I, I think I think I'm going to get 999. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it sent me my code. I haven't quite entered it yet. I, I was having a wee look at it before we came online. The, the questions aren't just random. They are random questions, but there's also wee clues. So if it asks you, you know, how many corners you think you know Rangers I, will get on Sunday, it tells you how many corners we got in the last game and stuff like that. And it's all the proceeds are going to the club. So you know, if you've got the opportunity, guys, we would we would recommend it. It's on a Sunday, uh, Alex. The big game, uh, Pitodre, big opportunity to go. Uh, let me think. Twenty-two points clear, if my maths is correct. Is that right? That is correct. Me and my maths isn't the best, by the way. Uh, so you know, a, a really big opportunity to, to put further distance between us and Celtic before they play a very angry Hibs on Monday. Uh, but Pataudry, I, I mean, I posted a, an article from The Guardian uh, through the week there. It was from one of their 80s blogs and it was talking about the game with Neil Simpson. And it, the headline was something, you know, a rivalry 
but it became really bitter due to a bad tackle. And a lot of, a lot of Rangers fans came back at me saying, it's not a rivalry. Why are you calling it a rivalry? And I was like, well, one, it's not my article. And two, you know, is it a rivalry? You know, one thing I will say, the games at Ibrox don't feel like a, a, a sort of rivalry game. I mean, they, they, they just feel like you're playing, I don't know, Motherwell or Hearts or whatever. But the games at Pataudry, I mean, and even going back to the 80s, you know, when Alex Ferguson was there, there was there, there always has been a sort of edge at, at these games. Uh, and I, 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 I don't know why, because, I, I mean, all the fans I speak to have always told me that it was one of the better places to go to. You know, for an away day, you know, you went up on the, the Friday night, you stayed in your bags, you know, you were well looked after. The the locals were very welcoming and you had a few beers and you came home. And then in the, in the 80s, it sort of changed. And then from that that, that game with Stimson, it's, it, it, you know, it's totally changed. I mean, I've, I've only been to a handful of games up at Pataudry, but it is the most hateful atmosphere I think I've ever experienced. I had to duck a bucket of chips <laughs> when it one game. This is true. It's a true story. Uh, Ian Jess had just scored a free kick. I think, I think it was one each game. Uh, and Ian Jess scored in the first couple of minutes and I was down at that corner flag and they all came running down the stairs and running towards us and coins and everything coming over but I just seen this big bucket of chips coming right to my head and I had to get out of the road of it and it, it is a kind of feeling that you're sneaked in and chased out of, you know Aberdeen and, and Pataudry these days so that makes it you know a bit of an edgy fixture but of course there's no fans in at the moment but still a tricky place to go Yes, it is, um, and it's it's toxic, you know. And I think it's I think it's mostly one way. Um, I'm going to say that obviously yeah. a bit yeah. biased, but uh, you're talking about uh, some of the fans, even older than myself, as you say, um, that were up there in the in the sixties, the fifties, whatever, before the oil uh, landed. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that the oil changed things. I think. I, really did. Glasgow. I, I think it becomes cultural. I think uh, you're talking about the welcoming locals. I think some of the locals were so welcoming that their husbands were really upset. Um, when they, they welcomed the kind of uh, glamorous Glasgow boys up to the wee fishing town, uh, as, it, as it was then, and I think there's yeah. been a lot of a lot of bad blood for kind of social political reasons uh, before the before the football. Um, I think Aberdeen fans like to portray it as we couldn't handle it when suddenly they had a good team, you know, yeah. under under Sir Alec, and you know, heard you guys talking about Jim McLean uh, beautifully uh, after his passing um, on the on the pod earlier, but it was. With Dundee United, there was always a kind of uh, we were actually their bogey team, you know. Dundee United were a bit more successful than us in that kind of wee period between, you know, and well, they won the league basically right in the middle of us, no one in it for nine years. Um, Aberdeen won three uh, titles in that in that time, but we were always capable of getting a good result at Tannadice, and they, they really rolled us over. Dundee United, whereas Aberdeen, it was just relentless beatings. We won yeah, once at Petodre yeah. in, in twelve years, you know, in the mid eighties with Robert Pritz and. Make big, big DJ get the goal. Derek Johnson, yeah. Aye, and it was a kind of that was you know that was a bit of a kind of shock to the system for for, for me at that age because I was growing up we just never won at Pataudry. It was as simple as that. Um, I was at the game. I was I was I was at the game um, uh, in '88 when uh, Durant get assaulted brutally uh, by Simpson, and that was the, that was the first time I remember being there where we were actually it probably happened all the time but we were actually in the south stand as well as having the old beach end as well. Um, and I don't know if they felt maybe that we were starting to come back. The old Rangers were coming back up and taking over their ground again or something, and that, that was creating more hostility. But I just bet you were also talking in the, the previous pod beautifully about the about the Ibrox disaster um, and the memorial. Uh, 
But you were also having to unfortunately talk about people kind of desecrating the memory um, yeah. of the 66. And the first place I ever heard that in action was Pudodri. Um It was the first time I'd ever seen the casuals, you know, at that time, the boys wearing the Pringles, yeah. it, was, it was at that yeah. time. And I'm like, who are these guys? You know, I was going, I was going up there, I think I'll be the first time it was a 12-year-old and a 13-year-old. Um, and you've seen these boys down at the corner of the South Stand, you know, who spent the whole game just looking at us and there wasn't a scarf amongst them. And this was a new, this was a new thing um, as far as I was concerned. And I think that also, you know, being the inventors of hooligan chic, you know, or the first people to bring it to Scotland, I think them and Motherwell, I think that also made them feel a wee bit superior as well in a kind of aggressive sort of way. I've, Colin, I was a couple of, two or three years ago, I'm, I'm in the West End in Glasgow, so I get Hill, so if I'm having a few drinks before the game, you know, a few pals in the West End, I'll get the uh, Hill Head, I'll go to Hill Head Underground Station. Yeah. And I was there, standing in the queue one day, I'm like, this isn't the Rangers fans. What is going on here? And they had, it was the 50th birthday of one of the top Aberdeen casuals. The best thing they could think to do was get on at a quiet uh, underground stop and then turn up at Ibrooks. Is that when it all kicked off at Aye. Court, at it, didn't even, it didn't even kick off. It just everybody could be allowed with their pints and just said, what are they doing? Because the police were just holding the bike. There's no danger of anything happening. But this is the kind of thing. I'm reminded of Leeds Man United. You know, it's, it's a kind of one way. They want, they're, they're hating us, putting so much time into hating us that it's, you eventually have to kind of reciprocate in some way. There's only, um, Rangers and Celtic dominate the league in Scotland. There's only uh, four times as the most any other club in Scotland has won the league. That's three clubs, Hibs, Hearts and Aberdeen. So there's always going to be that wee thing where, you know, after after Celtic, one of them is obviously going to kind of want a rivalry with us and, and, and earn it every now and then by winning stuff. But uh, I'm glad that we don't have to go there uh, as fans, you know, and uh, I'd be quite happy. Pataudry, I used to find the atmosphere fantastic. Uh, really great, great ground. But this is me going back to kind of late 70s, early 80s. Once it got into kind of mid 80s, it, 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 it got really toxic. And uh, the Durant, what happened to Ian Durant, really just was, I'd been going for years. I'd been building up to that. You know, yeah. and then you then get Aberdeen fans celebrating it. Um, we have still celebrating it. it to this day. Aye, you know, you know we, have, we haven't lost it under Stephen Gerrard. You know, uh, we draw, we usually draw one and win one. And I would love, as a as a kind of signifier that we're actually going to something special this season. I would love us to win two games at Pataudry this season, but two, both world league games at Pataudry this season uh, on Monday. I, I, on Sunday, I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't really enjoy it. You know, because I, I do reciprocate that rivalry, but not in the way. It's not a derby for me. It's just a bunch of people I don't want to be involved with. Yeah, a bunch of people we don't like very much. <laughs> uh, going on to Stephen Jenner's press conference today, gave an update on the injury front, Alex. Uh, Arfield uh, out for five weeks, and apparently he's just out the moon boot. Jack, yet again, is apparently close to coming back. We've heard that before, though. Uh, we were surprised with this one, as though uh, Kemar Roof that's probably out for the next couple of games. Now, I'll start with Arfield. It's a bit of a blow. I mean, I had a feeling when I saw the replay of it's him making the tackle, but he, I mean, he went over in his ankle pretty bad. And I'm, I must admit, I'm not surprised. No, 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 I'm not, not surprised, but uh, kind, kind of gutted, Colin. I think looking at the three of them, I mean, I think, was it no against Aberdeen? That was that was the last time uh, Ryan Jack played for us. He came off, I think, when we beat them 4 nothing at Ibrox. I think that might be the last time. Was that was that what he? I, don't know, I would have to. I would have to check. He come, I think he, he came off. We went four nothing up pretty early in the second half. He came off straight away, and we thought it was resting in my head of the Benfica game. I think we're playing Benfica at Ibrox in the, the Thursday after that, 
and he's just never come back. Um, he's he played well. He's played well a few times. He scored at Petodre last season. Scott Arfield scored at Petodre last season. Scott Arfield scored that that game. We beat them four uh, 0 uh, last time we met them. Uh, Roof scored that game as well. So you're looking at serious operators against Aberdeen, uh, all missing for this game. But if we were to pull it off, um, and it's 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 far from beyond the realms of possibility. We should, we should you know really be winning this game. But if we pull it off, I think the narrative suddenly changes to we've got Motherwell the following week. We've got Ross County the week after that. These are games we should be winning. We've got a week in between each game to rest and yeah. recuperate. And it's like, uh, plus we've got Scotty Arfield's coming back. Ryan Jack's coming back. You know, Kamar Roof's coming back. We're getting, but you know, we're looking fantastic. If we're to lose... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, or even drop points, and it's, it's it's amazing how finely balanced it is. It's like, oh my god, and we don't have we don't have roof, we don't yeah. have Scotty Arfield, we don't have Ranger. <laughs> you know, um, the, whole, the whole mentality changes exactly. But I think we, we've, I want the boys back, you know, because I track and play. I think Kamar Roof is, you know, the most intelligent player in Scottish football right now. I think he's just he's just fantastic to watch, sensational. Um, he's like Stephen A. Smith and Nikita Yelovic combined with the the, the nouse and streetwise. He's got his street sense. He's got he's absolutely fantastic. Um, he's going to be a big miss for anybody, but no, we've got enough. We've got enough there to to, to win with these guys, and, and if we can, I think it'll be massive. On the starting eleven, I mean, defensively, do you think it'll be Balogun or Holanda? Balogun played the last two, uh, did fantastically after that tackle last week. Um, alone, he deserves to be to be back yeah. in there. It's got to be Balogun, mate. Uh, you think it'll be the, the, the same midfield threes last week? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I would go with that as well. Yeah, and the, quest, and, and the question is, what's happening up front? And I think I think it's going to be Hadji. So, Morelos... Hadji, Hadji, Hadji uh, Ken, McKen and Morelos. Morelos. I think there's a, I think there's a, there's a kind of, you know, you, you could maybe have eaten in there because Aberdeen are so physical. Um, you've got a few big boys at the back, but I don't think we want to match that. I think we might just play through it, play around it, you know. And I, uh, I, I quite like eating coming on when we've got a lead to defend. I, yeah. I think he protects the ball very well. He gets us up the park very well. He, he's arguably the best in the, in the best of the strikers at doing that and getting us up the park and winning free kicks. Uh, so I think he's a good option to come on. I think I think he'll start with Manelos on Sunday. I must admit. Uh, Alex, one sort of final point before we go. Conscious of time, uh, Connor Golson was also at his presser today, and he was he was speaking about making use of the training grounds, you know, because he didn't have that midweek game. And it kind of goes on to what you've just said there. You know, we've got four games in January and there's a decent amount of time uh, between them all. So, I mean, how important is that in terms of, one, letting the players, you know, recruit, recuperate a little bit, you know, not have as, as heavy a schedule as they have had practically for sort of July, August, you know, because uh, essentially the, the, the Europa League stuff started straight away. And, and that was it. You were, you were, you know, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, constantly. And also, you know, to get back in the training field and and work on shape, setup, tactics, all that kind of thing, because I kind of feel the, the the tempo and all that has kind of dropped recently, and maybe the game plan hasn't been worked to, to the sort of level it was at the start of the season. But with only four games in the month, it surely gives you a chance to work on all these things again. So one, it's less games in the players. Two, it's more time in the training field working on the stuff. You know, your your, your game setup and all that kind of stuff. I I think 
Um, the, the main the main thing with this is it's not a three week break. I think there's a there's a there's a mass psychosis going on with the Rangers support just now, Colin. Um, and I include myself on this. I am on the the bonkers bus. Like this is January because we're having eight days off after having played midweek weekend, midweek weekend, all through December. Um, I think we're actually seeing this as the the final the final kind of psychological hurdle. Can we recover for the? Can we recover better for the winter break than we did the last two seasons? It's no winter break, but only after eight days. But I think we're I think we're determined that this is going to be you know Kilmarnock at Rugby Park or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, because just because just because it feels eight days eight days off just now feels like a massive winter break. But we're not going to Dubai. We're not playing locomotive Tashkent. Um, I'm just hoping that the guys that they're pacing the recovery. Seven days is is what they need. I think there's been a. Eight days rest, I think it's just going to be perfect for them. I think there's been a kind of economy of performance all the way through December. What we did in December is absolutely magnificent. To lose one goal at home, one goal away in the league, you know, while we're playing, you know, epic European football and, you know, we had a, an epic exit in the League Cup as well. It's it's just been phenomenal to keep that consistency going um, in the league all through December. And we've never gone into, and then to, take, to, to add like a seventh game, you know, uh, to the December schedule last weekend, you know, tack that on at the end, a kind of massive six-pointer yeah. like that. I think it's been fantastic, and I just want to see the players go on Sunday and contextualise the whole thing. Just say no, all that kind of, and it was it was it was slightly bogus anyway. The way the way things were regarded uh, last season, they, they kind of were supposed to have chucked it in January or February. It wasn't it wasn't that straightforward. We weren't that hot the first season going into December. It was just the old no. game that kind of. But I, I think maybe having the three weeks off allowed them to, to feel just how exhausted they were after playing 14 games in Europe before Christmas, as well as the league campaigns the last two seasons. So I'm I'm just hoping seven days, so eight days is just perfect. Keep things ticking over, work on a few things as you say. But I would just I would, I would like to think that Rangers will feel proud of what they've done um, for the last seven games in the league. And they will regroup, get the energy back, and I, I'd like to see a wee bit of a celebration uh, of what they've done on the park on on uh, Sunday. I like to see them rejuvenated, and I like to see them take that out in Aberdeen and let us all just uh, enjoy what's left of this season. Yeah, however long it is. I mean, I'm, I've I've always been kind of. I mean, I was quite uh, adamant on Sunday that you know the league hasn't won, and I've always said to my boy, you know, over the last sort of couple of months that come the first of February we'll have a real idea of where we are, you know, because I've always felt, you know, if we get through December, you know, we won that game and we got to the 19 points, I was always conscious that then we've got Pataudry, we've got Easter Road, and Fur Park can also be, can be quite tricky as well. So I've always said to my son, because he's like desperate, you know, have we won it yet? Do you think we've won it yet? I'm like, when we get to the 1st of February, we'll have a good idea of where we are. You know, if we get through the next four games uh, unscathed or relatively unscathed, then I think we're, we're, of taking a big step forward and, and, and getting that, that, that league title. But, you know, it's not over until it's over. Hey, Alex, I think we've, we've, we've sort of wrapped everything up there. So a big thanks to Alex for his contribution there. Great stuff from him, as always. He's back on Sunday night. He's back with, uh, I think, Ross is hosting and David Wren's back on and, and Alex will, will be there as well. So mind and tune in to those three guys. We'll obviously look at the game on Sunday and various other bits and bobs. In the meantime, get yourself over to the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, as I say to you every week when I host, strange times. So look after one another, stay safe. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>